going beyond the headlines, getting to the heart of the story. Calgary Today with Joe McFarland on 770 CHQR. A lot of talk today. It's been the lead story through the course of the day, obviously with uh, the NEB's decision surrounding the Trans Mountain Pipeline expansion. And to get more on this, we welcome to the program. Uh, this, he's the Conservative MP for Halliburton, Kawarta Lakes, and Brock. And he's the Deputy Shadow Critic for Natural Resources and Economic Development. Jamie Schmale joining us now on the program. Jamie, I'm going to start things off here. Let's talk uh, about your party's reaction to today's announcement by the NEB. I think, although while positive, it really doesn't get us anywhere or any closer to getting a pi- pipeline up and running here in Canada. It is it is quite uh, frustrating the fact that the Liberals still continue to drag their feet on this issue. They will not or they refuse to put together a plan to get this project going, get shovels on the ground, get people back to work. And I think the frustration is being felt all the way from Alberta, all the way into Ontario and beyond. Uh, this, is, this is something that goes well beyond Western Canada. I know the lack of pipeline action here in Ottawa is causing issues even in my riding in central Ontario. So so we're we're feeling your pain. Obviously you're you're being hit in Alberta and the prairies a lot harder than we are in Ontario, but I uh, you know as as an Ontarian we we stand with you in Alberta in trying to get this pipeline built and get people back to work. This is where things kind of get convoluted to me and i want to get it from somebody who knows from from down in ottawa here is why are we seeing this pushback given that it seems as though the majority of the country is for this pipeline and understands the validity of it well i think there is a well-funded and well-organized group that has taken over the space in this conversation and it is unfortunate because their agenda is basically no and and despite the economic harm it does to Canada, despite the harm it does to those working in the oil sands and beyond, uh, I, I I don't think they care. And and I I think we we need to get these pipelines built. I think it is a national interest to get it built. We need to get our resources to market. And and until the Liberals come up with a plan, we're we're still going to be shy of getting that done. And that's not right. What is needed when it comes to a plan in your eyes? What should the Trudeau government be trying to do to uh, make that plan or even propose a vision for that matter? Well, the fact that back in August, the Conservatives, we as the official opposition, laid out a plan for the government to take in order to get construction built six months ago, just started six months ago. They refused to do it. And now the National Energy Board came out with their decision today, which basically reaffirms what they said originally. There are some conditions attached to that. But at the end of the day, they continue to drag their feet. They continue to have mistake after mistake after mistake, not laying out a plan, not moving this forward. And we know the Prime Minister has said on an occasion or two that he wants to phase out the oil sands. Well, he unfortunately, he's doing a darn good job of it. And it's very unfortunate that the people in Alberta and beyond have to pay the price. And, and, and this is mistake after mistake. And you, the people, are paying for Justin Trudeau's mistakes. Have you heard any Anything official or off the record around the the house in terms of yet another delay? I've heard uh, 90 days is what's going to be the next ask. Is that something that is set in stone yet, or have you heard anything on that front? 
Yeah, the, the NEB and their recommendations gave out 90 days for the government to come up with a plan. And that, unfortunately, for those waiting for something to happen to get back to work, the, the, the timeline can be extended. There is the potential for that to be extended. So although it's 90 days, who knows whether or not they will actually meet that. But, but again, it did not have to come to this. It did not have to come to this. There was a plan. We gave them suggestion after suggestion to get the shovels on the ground, get this project moving forward. And the Liberals refused to take any of our suggestions. And yet here we are, same decision as six months ago, and we are no further ahead. Do you get the feeling at all that the Liberal Party is going to be dragging its feet even more, given that it's trying to play damage control on other fronts, a.k.a. SNC-Lavalin? Well, the Liberals certainly have a lot of fires burning in Ottawa right now. And, you know, it goes with their relationship with China, Saudi Arabia, India. Here we go with uh, the pipeline that can't be built. Now, SNC-Lavalin, the Mark Norman case, they have had a mess up on file after file and it shows that this government is just not capable of dealing with the serious issues that we have before us in Canada today. How concerned are you that given the we had the 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 United We Roll or the the convoy go through uh, Ottawa earlier on in the week and yet it seemed as though from what I could count anyways is a lot of the the coverage of that was down in the down the depth chart because of SNC Lavalin and so a lot of people within Ottawa or within Ontario who could have taken a lot from that messaging uh, around oil and gas. Uh, it would have been lost in the shuffle. Yeah, I, I, I do. I, I, it, it is, uh, the timing wasn't the best, obviously, but the fact that people felt so passionately about jobs, about the economic activity, the, the oil sands, about getting our product to market, a uh, resource industry we should be proud of from coast to coast to coast, that they felt so passionately about it, to spend their own money to make that trip, that, that spoke volumes about how many people and and many people along the route joined them and and provided meals for them and and gave them lodging it shows that there is compassion there is a a hand-in-hand drive to get the the resource to market and canadians and you know again in ontario we're feeling it too and so we want to see this done but unfortunately the liberal government doesn't seem to be very uh, energetic about getting this forward they seem to want to play both sides of the fence and they are messing up this file on a spectacular basis and yet there are hundreds of thousands of people out of work that are losing their homes losing their families and causing misery because this prime minister cannot get the job done Jamie Schmale is our guest. I got a couple more questions for you on this front, so hang on the line there. He is the conservative conservative MP for Halliburton Quarter Lakes Brock, and then the, also the deputy shadow critic for natural resources and economic development, weighing in on the NEB's decisions surrounding the Trans Mountain Pipeline expansion. I've got a couple more points of contention that I want to deal with before uh, the half hour is up, and I want to talk to Jamie about that. Uh, This is Calgary Today on 770 CHQR. Conservative MP Jamie Schmail joining us on the program to talk a little bit about the NEB's decision surrounding the Trans Mountain Pipeline expansion. Yes, there's a, there needs to be a plan in place, and it's fascinating to me on one side of it. 
is you have the conservatives saying, hey, the, the, the fix is in. This isn't going to get done. And then on the flip side, you have the environmentalists on cue saying, a fix is in. This thing's getting done. So fascinating on that side of it. On the other hand, as I look at this, Jamie, is, and I've been saying this for a while on this program, is you have a liberal government, when they were campaigning back in 2015, they said, we're going to be doing government different, and we're going to learn from the mistakes of the conservatives. And yet, really, they didn't, did they? Because in this case, you'd think that if you're getting this this pipeline in particular wrong, and you had gotten those warnings from the NEB and others, that you'd say, okay, we're going to do the consultations right, and we'll get this done in a year. But instead, they didn't. So where do you stand on that side of things? Well, the Conservatives were able to get four pipelines built, and they had three more in the queue. Of course, Northern Gateway, the Prime Minister vetoed that. Energy East, the Prime Minister changed the rules halfway through the game, pulling, causing TransCanada to pull out. And now we have... Uh, Kinder Morgan's Trans Mountain. Well, I guess it's the people of Canada's Kinder Morgan pipeline now that it's been nationalized. There doesn't seem to be a priority for this government, this liberal government, to ensure that there are good paying jobs in our resource industry, to ensure that our uh, oil and our gas is getting to international markets so that we can supply the world with with this product that they want. They, I think there's many countries that want to stop relying on Venezuela, Nicaragua, Saudi Arabia, the bad actors in, in the community, and they want to ensure that they are getting their product from something that is taken from the ground in a responsible manner. We are just a few months away from a federal election campaign, and so I do wonder if this is going to be something that is going to be dragged on through that process, and I wonder if it does get to that point. In your estimation, how do you think the uh, a conservative government would make this project kick-started so that we could actually see some action on it? Well, we have laid out a plan that would show a path forward for not just Trans Mountain, but also hopefully uh, Energy East as well. I know communities around New Brunswick want this project to go forward. We know it's it's something Alberta wants I, I, in the prairies. Uh, it is something we need to get done in order to ensure that our product is getting to market. So this this is going to be a priority for conservative government, getting our natural resources to market in a responsible way. And, and that is something I think Canadians from all over, whether it doesn't matter what province you live in, want to see our resource industry succeed and provide good paying jobs for people who want to get back to work. And look, if, if this continues, we're already seeing just this week, we saw another pullout of a major energy company from Alberta, from the Canadian energy sector. And this is, is toppled on with tens of billions of dollars already that has left the energy sector and the resource sector. So it, this is something that needs to be a priority or else we are we are going to see very serious consequences in the near future. There's a lot of different factors that weigh in that and I'm sure the conversation is going to be continuing not only for the provincial election here in Alberta but also the federal election as well. Uh, MP Jamie Schmale, thank you so much for joining us this afternoon. Thank you for having me. Jamie is also the deputy shadow critic for natural resources and economic development within the Conservative Party. And one other point, I brought this up during the Friday free-for-all, but in case you're just joining us, I kind of laugh a little bit about how the environmental movement's response to this was actually planned for about an hour. They had the news conference slated for, I think it was like 11 o'clock hour time, and the NEB's response was going to be at 10. So within an hour... 
and I'm not. I, they may very well have had the report in hand, and so they were just part of the the signing group that said, "Yeah, we're not going to break embargo or anything." But I got the sense that the the standout Earth and the Green Pieces kind of were playing to the same drum as hockey players, professional athletes. I got to give it 110% work hard, going to the corners. You know, that's exactly how those groups treat anything energy related in this country is they have their go-to lines. And anytime you challenge them on that, and that's why I don't like having groups like Greenpeace on the show. I remember this was a couple of years ago where Greenpeace's founder actually came on the program, uh, not mine, but on, I believe it was Rob's and said, listen, Greenpeace itself has lost its way. And that was enough for me to go, yeah, you know what? If they haven't figured that out by now, like they, yeah. That, and so it, it's baffling to me is that a government, in theory, could be bending to a special interest group or a well-paid special interest group over the vast majority of Canadians who seem to be uh, for this project. So, again, I'm kind of worried about this a little bit, only that you have 90 days from now brings you into May 90 days afterwards, which is what the, it sounds like the liberals may ask for. You're looking into the summer. Like you may not see anything on this until the fall. Oh yeah. Election time. Boy, it's Calgary today on 770 CHQR. All right, let's fire into it with this provincial election talk and, and more provincial politics-ish, I suppose. And let's, uh, get, in case you're just joining us, so supporters and opponents of the Trans Mountain Pipeline expansion are gearing up for their next battle after the Nat- uh, National Energy Board gave conditional endorsement to the project today. The regulator says the expansion will negatively impact killer whales and would cause significant damage to the environment if there was an oil tanker spill, but it reasoned the benefits outweigh those concerns. Now, uh, Canadian Association of Petroleum Producers, Tim McMillan, says it's now up to the federal government to get the project built. Uh, those who are anti-pipeline saying basically what they've been saying all along, the fix is in and the government wants this thing built and we're going to get railroaded, all that kind of thing. And, of course, that kind of you know, ruffled a few feathers when, when it comes to Premier Rachel Notley, who was asked a series of questions. And I love giving context because then you can hear the full answers instead of the, the 12 or 15 seconds that you hear newscasts or you see in TV or you read in the papers. So here's uh, one of those questions. In that decision to the extent that there was 180 interveners, many of whom did not follow the rules, introduced stuff that was not relevant, was not within the scope. They spent $5 million to accommodate people who wanted to intervene. Does that process frustrate you when you see what, what all went into it? Uh, Well, it would frustrate me if the whole thing got overturned again. I I will be perfectly frank. Um, But uh, um, the fact that we managed to get get all those people uh, heard, addressed, considered, and and to produce whatever it is, a 750-page report um, uh, within the timelines, I'm I'm glad we are where we're at. We know that going forward, uh, we have to find a better way to do these things. Uh, You've heard our government talk repeatedly about how the federal government needs to make sure that C-69 gets fixed because right now it stands to create even more delay than what we're already seeing right now. And we can't build infrastructure that way in Canada, whether you're talking about oil and gas, whether you're talking about other mining, whether you're talking about uh, dams. You know, you, you just can't 
build infrastructure that way. So we've got to find um, a, a respectful, evidence-based um, process that allows for engagement, but that has a beginning and a middle and an end. And that's what we need to see in C69, and that's what we've been pushing the federal government to fix. And earlier on in the show, I raised the point about the timing because clearly there's going to be a 90-day wait period. So we're waiting until May just for the federal government to get their, their things in order. And then they may ask for another 90 days, and that takes us into September. So it sounds as though I'm not overly optimistic we're going to see this before the provincial election. And it does sound like the premier is going to be thinking the same thing either. Premier, you, you were saying you don't, don't want this issue to become politicized. But since there's probably an Alberta election coming up soon, mm-hmm. it could very well become politicized, particularly if, if there isn't a federal government approval you know, by the time the election campaign is on. So what are... Well, honestly, Rick, quite honestly, I have no expectation that we're going to see a federal government approval before the provincial campaign. It's really unlikely. I think that the odds are it would be too quick. And and we jeopardize the whole thing, and I think it would be silly for anybody to demand that that happen. Uh, I would be surprised if we didn't see it before the next federal election. So 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 what will you, what will you say during the campaign when when other parties will be saying you should be tougher, you should be fighting more, you should be doing more, you should be more aggressive. I will say that I am exceptionally proud of the record of our government in getting us to this point. I will say that some of our opponents, uh, you know, some of uh, uh, folks that, that uh, we see reported on quite frequently. Uh, we're in Ottawa for nine years with a conservative government here for much more than that. Uh, you know, my, my primary opponent, Mr. Kenny, was the lead political minister uh, in Alberta for most of that time and managed to utter the word pipeline once or twice when he was in the House of Commons. So quite frankly, if we want to talk about fighting hard and getting results, that is not where I would look for an example. Um, but we are uh, closer than we have been. We're not there yet. But the other thing I would say is as much as we need to fight, we need to hold the federal government's feet to the fire, and we need to keep countering misinformation with facts and the good sound reason for why this pipeline needs to happen, we also need to do it in a respectful way. Ultimately, this is about building our country, not dividing it. And that is something that's very important to me. So there you go. There's some context to what the Premier had to say about today's announcement by the National Energy Board. Stay tuned is basically the the key message on that front. I did want to squeeze this in as well. So Stephen Mandel has tweeted, I'm encouraged that the court wishes to take a closer look at our strong and compelling case, and I look forward to a fair and just result. Now, this after the decision on the no decision surrounding his ability to actually run, because as we talked about a couple of weeks ago, he's been told he can't run for five years because he missed some deadlines. And so he's appealing that decision. And the judge decided, kind of funny to me, is that the judge, we all knew that this was coming. We all knew that. So I'm sort of surprised that the judge didn't sit there and go, Okay, looked at the evidence, went, we're going to, so now we're going to make him wait just a little while longer? Unfortunately, what's lost in all of this is I am curious about whether this does more harm than good for Stephen Mandel and the Alberta party, because I thought going into this that they might be actually the dark horse where a lot of those who might be in the political center in this province or even close to the political center might look at it and go, NDs are, can't do that, UCP, I can't do that. Maybe I can go here. And I feel like this is a botched opportunity. Like, unless they come out guns ablazing over the next couple of months, what did I hear today? April 15th, maybe, election? 
unless they pull some rabbit out of a hat. Alberta Party, correct me if I'm wrong, but I, I get the feeling that they, they missed out on an opportunity to carve themselves a nice little niche in the middle. It's Calgary Today on 770 CHQR. Been a lot of fun over the last uh, couple of days to get, shed a little bit of light on what's going on just to the north with Canada Games 2019 in Red Deer. And looking at the medal count right now, Alberta sitting with 14 gold, 16 silver, 10 bronze, uh, sitting in second spot behind Quebec, 82 to 40 total. Quebec doing very, very well. That being said, a lot of our Can- uh, Alberta athletes doing a very, very well. And I love this story. Top seed and host Alberta seizing the gold medal on home soil in wheelchair basketball for the first time since 1995. A nail biter to boot 51-48 on a Thursday. Joining us now on the program is head coach Daryl Nordell. Uh, Daryl, thanks so much for joining us this afternoon. Uh, thank you very much for having me. Is the glow off your face yet and off the athletes' faces yet? Or are you guys going to be uh, smiling about this one for a while? Well, I honestly got to say, we still got athletes that are wearing medals, and that would be all 12 of them. I told them last night after we won that medal, they better sleep with it. Because once you win a gold medal, you don't always get that every other day. Was there a moment in time or when you guys went to start this tournament off and, and start the games off, were you going in with that expectation that, hey, we can contend for a gold? Or were you guys, did you guys have a goal in mind together as a team? Well, you know, I can honestly say we've been uh, bronze medalists back in uh, Prince George in 2015, so we knew we had a full quad to develop the team from the bronze. We were national champions last year, so we were coming in ranked number one. But that also comes with a little bit of extra work because everybody's looking for us as well to fall down. And luckily, we went 6-0 and through the entire tournament and never looked back. Mm-hmm. I always ask with those favorites is there's always that little bit of a target on the back. And I wonder, what are your keys to making sure that you stay even keel and the players don't sort of buy into that thought process of, hey, we've got an easy street for the entirety of these games? You know what? I think for us, it was a routine. We had a routine going right from day one when we entered the village here. When we got up in the morning, when we stressed, we went to breakfast video on to practice and then to pregame and then into a game and then into a meal and off to bed. So unfortunately, the kids didn't really get a chance to see anything else, but the goal for us was to medal and get on podium. And I guess at the end of the day now, I can say we, we were successful. How challenging is it to prepare for uh, a set of games kind of like this where it's, you know, so action-packed over a short amount of time and, you know, any misstep along the way can be the difference between a gold medal and finishing off the podium? Absolutely. You know, Canada Games, I believe, is only the, in Canada, is one of the very few countries around the world that has a, a multi-sport event like this and then allow the athletes with disabilities to enter in an inclusive sport environment like the Games and for us to work what we did to get to that point. Uh, you know, words just can't describe it. And I'm sure if you talk to one of the athletes, they themselves are still trying to... Uh, realize what they've actually accomplished. Talk us through those last few seconds as the buzzer was about to go. Well, actually, in those last few seconds, uh, we were actually at the foul line, only up by one at that point in time, and our player hit it. Um, the first foul shot, so we're up by two, and I was actually yelling from the sidelines for him to jam the ball because I'd rather them come down with 8.6 seconds and try to throw up a, a three to win or a two to tie than them to take a timeout and inbound the ball at three-quarter court to get a full-look three. So he didn't hear that, and he went and hit his foul shot, so now we're up by three. They do call the timeout, get the inbound the ball with 
under with 8.6 seconds left, and they threw up a three, but they didn't make it. It's got to be an incredible feeling. That last second, your your heart kind of has to go through your chest and up through your throat, I'm sure. I think I, if I looked at the video now twice, and I think I just stood up out of my chair and turned around and looked at all the fans and just started taking for, for all the support they gave us. I think we had over 3,200 people in the building last night, I hear. That is incredible. And, and that's one thing that as we've been speaking to different athletes over the course of the last uh, few days here as the game's been underway, is that hometown support, that home province support has been uh, second to none. What did it mean to you to be able to win a medal on home court? You know, the last time uh, Alberta won a wheelchair basketball medal in our whole province was in 1995 in Jasper, Alberta. So none of our athletes, unfortunately, were back then or would be eligible to play. But we had one of our assistant coaches that won that gold medal. So it was a big accomplishment for him. And again, to be playing in your own home province and to represent Alberta. Uh, go Alberta. We're very proud. Talk a little bit about the, the last few days and, and just the vibe around Red Deer and the surrounding areas as they've been putting on from what all accounts uh, have been a world-class Canada Games. So this is my third Canada Games. I started in 99 in Cornerbrook, Newfoundland, and then I took a few off and went to Prince George in this one. The entire city of Red Deer has come out from the volunteers to the dignitaries to the VIPs. Everyone is supportive. We continue to grow. And the capacity crowds each and every day here, it has been phenomenal what they've done here. It's got to be really cool, not just from a coach's perspective, but also from a player's perspective to not just have the home home turf or home field or home court advantage, but also to know that you've got family and friends nearby. And I wonder uh, when, when that final buzzer went and everybody's cheering, was there anybody, A, in the crowd that you were looking for, and B, did you notice who your athletes are going towards as, as the families and fans uh, came onto the court? Well, typically as we finish our games, we always cheer for the other team. Respectively, we shake their hands, we shake the referee's hands, we shake the table officials' hands, and then we gather in the circle. When we gathered in the circle last night, we had a cheer just for us as athletes. At that special moment, then we invited down all of our family and friends to get into that circle as well. Because you're right, we are one big family here in Alberta, and we wanted them to be a part of that in the special circle that we had in the middle of the court. So we cheered it one more time. That is a, a great way to end it. Uh, Daryl, uh, congratulations on the gold medal. Congratulations to all your athletes as well. And uh, thanks so much for sharing your story about the uh, Canada Games this, this week. Absolutely. All I can say is this next week will be just as good if you haven't been down to Red Deer. Come on out and support the, that next week of events that's coming. I think women's hockey's here. I think there's some. Uh, I think there's table tennis happening next week. There's a number of events. Come on down to Red Deer and cheer on Alberta. Go Alberta! Thanks so much for listening to the Calgary Today podcast. You can find it on iTunes, Google Play, and tune in. When you do, don't forget to write the show and leave a comment. Until next time, my friends.